0: You don't always have to migrate from the Philippines just to find work. What do you do instead? Well, instead of migrating to the Middle East, you migrate to the metaverse.
1: We all play games. Whether that's on a console, a laptop, with friends, or even in the real world. But think about this for a moment. What if those games suddenly became an essential part of your real life?
2: I have a feeling that it started mangyari yon sermon.
1: Oh, nga eh. <laughs> we got a taste of it during the pandemic, with endless Zoom calls and virtual hangouts. But anyway, I am Monis Berto, tech tito or tech lolo, depending on your age and your inclination. In this podcast, we talk to business leaders and ask them, what games do they play? With me in this episode is casual gamer, Mark Casilia. Hello, Mark here. Now, Mark, today we're talking about a few things. First is crypto and NFTs. Oh gosh, something that I'm still trying to wrap my head around.
2: <laughs> As you my Sir Mon. And related to crypto and NFTs, we're also talking about the metaverse, which many are saying is the next big thing for the internet.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. As I understand it, these are virtual worlds where we can bring real stuff into. Halimbawa, yung trabaho natin. Kaya nga, you're right. It does seem that we're having some sort of a
2: test run for that now. Onga oh, nga, Sir Mon. And that's why today, we're talking to someone who has been familiar with these things for a long time.
1: This is episode 5 of Squad Leader. This podcast is brought to you by Smart. With Smart Prepaid, you can live what you love. And powered by
2: Pumo Podcast. Before we start, we'd like to thank you for listening to the first season of Squad Leader. We've had the blast geeking out about gaming and technology. And talking about business. If this is your first time hearing this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thanks! And now, back to the episode.
1: Our guest for today is a gamer, a crypto entrepreneur, and an NFT artist.
0: Uh, My name is Luis Buenaventura. I'm the country manager of Yield Guild Games, uh, or YGG Pilipinas.
2: YGG is a gaming guild which brings together players to earn in a blockchain-based economy. That's a lot of concepts to grasp, but we promise we'll go through them one by one. But first, Luis. Where did your interest in gaming come from?
0: So the very first game I ever played, I confess that I probably pirated this game because I couldn't actually afford to pay for the (laughs) original (laughs) copy of this. Uh, It was called Dune 2. Um, It was a real-time strategy game uh, created by Westwood Studios based on uh, Frank Herbert's Dune series of novels. It was actually a kind of a prototypal version of this concept of real-time strategy that would eventually give birth to things like StarCraft and Command and & Conquer and Warcraft and all of these things. No, but this was like a very, very early version of that. Um, it was a lot of fun. We played it uh, by hooking up our serial ports from one PC to another PC. So this is kind of like I'm just talking words that mean nothing to the average person or average millennial now. But that's how we used to play one-on-one back in those days. So it was um, a very very strange time to be playing games. You had to install it with a series of diskettes because you couldn't actually... (laughs) We we didn't have CD-ROMs yet um, (laughs) uh, during this era.
1: You know, Luis, these early games that you've mentioned seem to foretell where you were going to end up anyway.
0: Possibly. Um, um, I've always had a deep interest in strategy, whether it's real-time or turn-based. When I was in high school, in college, I fantasized about becoming a professional Magic: The Gathering player. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a collectible card game. You played it on tables, and you had to shuffle the decks manually. It was a, uh, you know, we would play in hobby cafes, but I, but I loved it because you know there was a just just the right amount of randomness and just the right amount of strategy. And I think that you know I love how volatile you know these games tend to be. Mm. There's still randomness, which I love, and there's still deep algebra and risk management and all of those things. So these are the things that I really enjoy with games like this. And uh, with kind of these, this new crop of what we call play-to-earn games, uh, we're seeing kind of similar things.
2: Okay, hang on. So if you aren't familiar with it yet, Play-to-earn games are games where players can receive rewards that they can exchange for real-world value. Basically, pwede kang kumita ng pera while playing. How? Well, pag nanalo ka, makakakuha ka ng rewards in the form of tokens or in-game items. These tokens can be exchanged for cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and in exchange can be traded for real money. The cool part is because of a technology called NFT or non fungible tokens, unique yung mga items na to. So, pwede mung matreys kung sino yung nagma sa kanila. Isang popular example?
0: The game Axie Infinity, which is the most relevant games uh, in this genre right now, is actually quite similar to, to Hearthstone. And it's kind of like Hearthstone meets Pokemon, depending on kind of uh, where you fall on that spectrum.
1: But Luis, can you tell us a little bit more about NFTs and crypto? How do these work in the context of the game, for example? Right.
0: So Axie Infinity, uh, at its core, is a player versus player game. Players uh, use their Axie characters, and this is similar to Pokemons. No? So they're like little monsters that they can use to battle. So it's a strategy game that uh, a player plays against another player. On any given duel, the player that wins will receive a small uh, cryptocurrency reward. Now, uh, if you have enough of this cryptocurrency, you can withdraw it, and then uh, you can exchange it for peso. Because it's, any, uh, it's cryptocurrency like any other cryptocurrency, you can go to many different places to exchange it. You can exchange it for uh, dollars, you can ex- exchange it for pesos, you can exchange it for other cryptocurrencies that you might prefer.
2: That's right. And sa ngayon, sobrang dali na mag-convert ng cash to cryptocurrencies, and vice versa. Kahit nga yung mga e-wallet apps like Paymaya, Sermon, pwede mong gamitin para bumili ng Bitcoin. Oh talaga.
1: So wala nang middleman kumbaga. It's the user doing everything. Oh gosh, this is so mind-boggling. How easy it is to trade crypto these days. Uh, but anyway, Luis, you, you were talking about NFTs and how they work in games like Axie Infinity. Now, how has it grown over the past year?
0: What's happened over the last uh, year and a half is uh, that uh, it's become more and more popular, such that uh, there's at any given time, there's about 1.5 million Filipinos that are playing Axie Infinity uh, every day. So it's actually quite uh, popular here. And as it's become more and more popular, the prices of the Axie characters themselves—you have to buy these Axie characters—the um, prices of these Axie characters have actually gone up so much, actually, that the average person can no longer afford them. Your average uh, trio of Axie characters will cost you somewhere between four or five hundred dollars US, which is quite a lot of money.
1: Yeah! Wow, that is a lot of money,
0: right? I mean, most games do not ask you to pay that kind of money up front in order to play it. Um, so the, the, the price of it actually locks out most of the people that would find this income useful. Mm. Because as I said, like, uh, most of the people that play this game right now come from the base of the pyramid. So from households that are making less than 20,000 pesos per month or less than $400 a month. So this problem is basically the reason for YGG or Yield Guild's uh, existence. We are one of the world's largest holders of Axie characters. Uh, We own tens of thousands of them. And what we do is we lend them to players. In exchange, we ask them for 10% of whatever they earn from playing the game. And that's it. That's the economic model.
2: Oh, so it's a revenue split. Parang in a sense pinaparentahan yung characters parang karaoke lang palanoh <laughs> referan mo sa kung sino meron
1: tapos pwede mo pang pagkakitaan you know it's it's really not as complicated as it sounds
0: so it's actually incredibly straightforward if you think about it Uh we are not that different from say you know a taxi company that lends the use of its vehicles to drivers and the drivers can make money from it the difference here is that the assets that Yield Guild lends to the players, firstly, they don't depreciate in the sense that there's no wear and tear, no? Because they're completely digital. It's not like a taxi. In our case, it's a digital asset that never goes bad. The second thing is that because it is purely digital, that means that our footprint is anywhere that the internet can reach. So we don't have to have, uh, you know, like satellite offices in Davao or Cebu or... Ilocos, or any of those places, we just have players there. And as long as they have some kind of internet connection, we can give them the Axie characters that they need in order to play the game. And that's why our player base is so spread out. We're not limited by geography on any level.
1: Now, that is
2: quite mind-blowing, wouldn't you say, Mark? True, Sermon. We couldn't have predicted games like these cropping up and forming a new kind of economy. Kasi dati ang alam lang natin yung esports. na mataas din yung barrier to entry. Ngayon naman, virtually anyone can participate in this economy. Yes, and imagine
1: how helpful these games must have been for low-income families here in the Philippines, especially during the pandemic. Well, you know, kung sa bansa, wala lang yung mga $100 or $200, pero dito, wow. Unlocking Halaganyan.
2: Yeah, which is why we have to ask then. Luis, where do you see this going? This whole play to earn economy?
0: Um, I think we're going to see some pretty rapid evolution in 2022, and we're going to see both winners and losers. But I think that play to earn is here to stay. I think that more and more games will just start to incorporate these types of mechanics into their game design, just because it makes so much sense. And I think that, you know, with countries like the Philippines, we've never been an attractive country for a lot of big games because we don't have much of a spending capacity. But the play-to-earn model reverses that. There's a lot of warm bodies here that want to earn from playing a game. Mm. So now we are a very attractive country for a lot of these big brands and big and big games because we've got way more warm bodies that are willing to play for you know, $100, $200 of earnings per month than say the United States would.
1: Well, well the thing is, uh, Luis, is that some of the basic tools you need to make that model work is now available. You know, you've got NFTs and all of these crypto items. It's really the model, right? Finding the right m- mix of financial and non financial rewards is, is that the way to go moving forward?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and what's kind of thrilling about this challenge is that no one knows what the correct answer is um so we are seeing innovation happen in real time and you know that's why i was saying there's definitely going to be winners and losers if the recipe was known then all you would need to do is execute on it the thing is we're literally discovering what the challenges are as we you know move forward as we scale to the next million people our job mainly right now is to make sure that the players who are within our community are are safe.
1: Yeah. They're not yeah. being
0: hacked because they don't know how to set up their crypto wallet properly. Um they're not making bad decisions about what to do with their money, you know. And then finally, they are, you know, they're sharing what they have with the rest of the community. One of the most gratifying things I ever saw was, uh, you know, during the the typhoon Odette, we received so many donations from our community and the sizes of the donations were only 100-200 pesos in size. And to me, that was actually really meaningful because there were so many of them. It was like hundreds, almost a thousand donations that were all tiny. When you are earning, you know, five to 10,000 pesos a month, a hundred pesos here and there, that, that's meaningful to you, right? So I, I think that's the kind of community that we want to keep building. Mm. So kind of the way that we look at this, the way that we look at what we're doing is that we are providing people with avenues for earning that did not exist a year ago, uh, well, two years ago. So now there is a potential path that is open to them that is not necessarily you know, trying to migrate to the Middle East to b- get a job as a part of the hospitality industry or become a construction worker or, or, or something along those lines. No? Um, you don't always have to migrate from the Philippines just to find work. That's the concept. What do you do instead? Well, instead of migrating to the Middle East, you migrate to the Metaverse, which mm. is kind of how we refer to this whole concept. No, so yeah, so we we look at them as uh, I know MFWs, uh, Metaverse Filipino workers. They're not actually uh, overseas.
1: Now, Luis, I, mean, I really like that phrase. Huh? Can I coach you on that? MFWs.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That's actually one of the um, <laughs> that, that's one of the ways that we think about our community. So that's kind of one of the our official terminologies for it because it really does. Matter matter. No? Um, in the Philippines, it matters so much because migration is such an important part of our current industry. But if you think about why OFWs even exist, it's because we couldn't find enough work here.
1: Yes, yes, th- that's, that's true.
0: It's not that everyone wants to be a waiter or waitress in some Middle Eastern country or a construction worker. That's not the reason why they're doing it. The reason why they're doing it is because there's not enough jobs here. And if we can add to the work that is available out there. And obviously we can't solve every problem. No? There will be a certain class of person who will choose this path because it is way less friction than going to the POEA or OWA and, you know, trying to get your, you know, your migration papers and, and your contracts and all of that stuff. No, it's, it's, a, it's a way more straightforward way for you to earn the money that your family needs.
1: You know, that's so interesting, Luis. Thank you for bringing that up. So wh- what I'm getting from you is that you're saying that we might be migrating to the metaverse sooner than most people think. Baga, kasi you're, you're starting to build an economy around it. Well, for someone like me, <laughs> well, sorry, that, that's quite a crazy
2: idea. <laughs> <laughs> Totoyan yan, sermon. Pero you can think about it this way. Yung work-from-home setup natin ngayong pandemic, Pwedeng one step towards working in the Metaverse na eh. Well, sabagay. Tama ka, Mark. Pero eh, eto pa, no? Now, I've been reading about people
1: buying, repeat ha, buying real estate in the Metaverse, as in land lupa. <laughs> so, hindi lang work and play ang pwedeng gawin sa Metaverse, but also owning land. Totoo ba ito, Luis? You know, dapat pa eh, ngayon pa lang eh, bumibili na ako, bumibili na kami ng lupa sa, dito sa Metaverse.
0: Yeah, so um, so at the moment, the land itself, it has uh, very speculative value. So what that means is that you are, um, you're kind of betting on a, a, a much more robust uh, version of the metaverse where people can actually create things on top of the land that they are buying. So at the moment, I would say that um, it's not for everyone. I personally don't own any land in the metaverse, and it's mostly because I've already put my money into a lot of other cryptocurrency things.
1: Okay, got that. But you know, the fact that you can do this, this is crazy.
0: <laughs> um, the, the areas that I am most focused on is this thing called yield farming, which is, again, a very different concept altogether. Um, but with the land specifically, it is a speculative investment in the future of this particular uh, metaverse platform.
2: All right. So Luis, can you give us an idea of what we can expect from it though? as it is right now.
0: Uh, Here in the Philippines, there's a group called Nara Gallery. They are a metaverse uh, uh, virtual reality gallery. Um, And uh, so they bought some land uh, in the metaverse and they hired a 3D designer to build an actual museum uh, on their land. And then in that land, in that museum, you can go and you can look at the art of other Filipino NFT artists.
2: Cool, cool. <laughs>
1: okay, okay. I see. So in effect, it's really just like replicating the real world into a virtual one. You no, know, you you have real estate in the metaverse, a thriving economy, entertainment, lahat yun ililipat mo lang sa mga network spaces. Oh gosh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> ano ba <to? laughs>
0: If you keep thinking down this road, Uh, then you will probably come to the notion that, oh, okay, so if I can do that, then I guess that means I can charge entrance. I can probably charge for events or entertainment. And then if you keep going down this road, you start to realize, oh wait, actually, this is exactly what a real estate developer does, isn't it?
1: More or less. (laughs) Yeah,
0: more or less. That's basically it then. Now, I'll be the first person to say that we're not there yet. Um, there's a lot of speculative interest, but the technology isn't there yet. But there's you know, so many different projects that are all trying to do the same thing here. There's a lot of uh, investment being poured into this space. So I expect that we'll see something more definitive within the next couple of years.
1: Okay. But you know, speaking, speaking of buying land and, and that sort of thing, but where else do you see it you know, making inroads? So wh- Where do you see that going, Luis?
0: I think that we've seen some of this stuff, uh, from, you know, this game called Second Life in the early 2000s. No, so this is a long time ago now. Um, but, you know, most people don't remember this game because to be honest, it wasn't that great. It was just a 3D game where you could walk around this world and, you know, you had your avatar, you could dress it up, you had your house, you could put furniture in it. That was kind of it. And there was a, a way for you to interact socially with people. Now, Second Life. It was interesting because it actually spawned a whole bunch of new professions. Because I actually ended up meeting a whole bunch of people whose jobs were that they would design clothes in Second Life. And then they would sell those clothes for, well, it was called Linden dollars. But like, ultimately, I guess you could exchange it for real dollars or something like that.
2: And now, NFT and blockchain technology are sort of enabling these things to thrive.
0: These concepts are a lot more refined now because we actually have cryptocurrencies and those for sure can be exchanged for real dollars. So so I think that you will probably have fashion designers. You will probably have people who will design your homes uh, in the craziest way possible because that's what you do in virtual reality. You know? So I think that you'll see this whole new class of profession that is just focusing on kind of these more slightly more outlandish concepts that are... Quasi-fashion, quasi-architecture, but they're all kind of VR, no? They're not actually uh, based in the real world. So you can build houses that are physically impossible to to actually create in in real life because, I don't know, physics would stop you from from actually making a house like that, but not in VR, right? You can do whatever you want in VR um, to a certain extent. So I think you'd see stuff like that. Um, so I I think that uh, there's going to be a lot more you know, kind of just people showing off or signaling kind of how cool they are in this new virtual reality world. Um, that's always been the case on the Internet. You know, I mean, that's kind of the reason why people buy these incredibly expensive profile pic uh, NFTs. It's because they're trying to signal to the rest of the community how much money they have, how in it they are, how how cool they are. And I think that we'll see versions of that as well in VR in the metaverse.
1: What about this angle, Luis? No, I mean I was looking at some video recently, you know, and I noticed, for example, that architects now use VR as a matter of course, you know. So without even thinking about it, oh, they're kind of wandering into the metaverse. (laughs) Wouldn't that also open more doors for people to, you know, gradually? wander into the Metaverse? Uh, what do you think about that, angle?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 look, I mean, the Metaverse doesn't need to feel like it's a completely different universe. Although I guess because of the name, it does make itself sound like it's a completely different universe. No, but the tools that we use are not that different. I mean, uh, the 3D programs that we use to design things within the Metaverse are the same ones that we use to design furniture for the real world. So that's already kind of, that's a no-brainer. Um, and I think that more and more uh, you will see people who find that they actually have relevant skill sets. Maybe they, maybe they thought that they were going to be um, completely obsolesced by the metaverse. But in fact, it's like, oh, this is actually just like the real world, except with more pixels. You know? <laughs> so I actually think that it'll be something along those lines where um, you know, we'll just discover that, oh, okay, yeah, actually it turns out I can do something in this world, because it mimics real life, so yeah, I think that um, it'll be it'll be a really interesting time.
1: Oh gosh, you know, th- th- this is just mind blowing. Eh, naku. Ano, makakabili ka na ngayon ng office buildings uh, sa metaverse or what a, uh, a tech lolo gallery? Uh, <laughs> well, well, anyway, Luis. Okay, what is your advice for people who want to get into this world of crypto? You know, even the metaverse. Nasabi mo na, nga na speculative palang yung metaverse. So, given that, what is your advice for them?
0: Okay, so I've been working in the crypto world for eight years now. And throughout those eight years, my goal has always been to try to make cryptocurrencies accessible to the average Filipino. The biggest issue with cryptocurrencies is, is that they are not easy to get into, right? I mean, for many reasons, The but the biggest reason is the fact that their value changes so much. It's not going to attract the average person because the average person doesn't have the money to lose. So the very first thing I'll usually say is that you cannot learn this stuff by spectating. You have to put a little bit of money in. Uh, that's the only way that you will actually learn how this stuff works. So. How much are you supposed to put in? That's the part where I always kind of say, if you wanted to treat this like a kind of a passive investment, I would recommend um, setting aside a small amount of your monthly income to just buy in at the end of every month. Buy into either Bitcoin or Ethereum. One of the more kind of, we, they're not, there's no such thing as a blue chip. Uh, crypto, but um, that's the closest that you'll really get. No, so generally speaking, if you buy either Bitcoin or Ethereum, you'll be in good shape regardless. Um, the second thing that I would recommend is, um, if you want to get into the whole NFT thing, if you want to go like, if you want to participate as a a gamer, for example, in the whole play to earn phenomenon, find your way into the Discord channels, find your way into the Facebook groups. Uh, you know, kind of look for the leaders within those spaces. You have to remember that in the word cryptocurrency, the important part is the currency. So you do have to have some currency in it in order for you to fully grasp exactly what's happening and how it affects you on a personal level. But again, the amounts does not have to be large, you know, like, um, you know, sometimes I say, you know, just start with a thousand pesos, start with 5,000 pesos, whatever is comfortable for you. You need a little bit of what we call skin in the game, right? You need to commit something in order to to learn this stuff uh, more directly. Otherwise, you're always just going to be thinking about it vicariously and it's not the same.
1: All right. Okay. On that note, thank you so much for your time, Luis. I hope you had a good time with us in this conversation. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, This is fun.
1: Okay.
2: So, Mark, what the hell did we learn here? <laughs> na Sir Mon, where do I even begin? Siguro yung may konsepto palano no? Nung renting of NFT assets. Na parang karaoke nga, no? Na someone owns NFT assets. Tapos pwede nilang ipahiram doon sa ibang tao nagustong kumita rin ng pera. And then they split the revenue from that. And then also, how NFTs and the metaverse has created a growing economy dahil nga, meron na nga nung nagpaparenta meron na rin ng nagbabayad, tapos meron na rin ng bumibili within that universe mismo, and then taking that a step further, yung meron tayong mga MFWs replacing OFWs hanggang ngayon my mind is still blown with that concept. You know, this, not
1: really guys. No, this is this has really been mind blowing. I mean what what Luis shared with us has helped me get a better grasp of it you know but I still think I need to sit down drink a lot of coffee and get, get a better idea slowly let it sink into my mind what this emerging metaverse is starting to look like Oh magiging mfw kanarimba, Mark
2: <laughs> I I just might try it sir <laughs>
1: <laughs> sige 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 Okay,
2: guys, and
1: that is a wrap for the first season of Squad Leader. This season, we got to talk with business leaders about the games that they play and how these games have helped them in real life. Al Pandillo talked about his love for old arcade games and how he likes to keep things simple as a leader. Faith Salazar talked about what she learned, you know, about community management by streaming on Twitch. Benji de la Peña on what makes the perfect city. And Luna Javier on the creative decisions that a leader must make in order to make a great game. Guys, thank you so much if you've stuck with us this season. And we hope that you've learned a few things about business and leadership from our guests. And that we will see you for season number two. You can now binge on all five episodes of Squad Leader. And again, guys, I... I'm Berto.
2: And I am Mark Casilian. This episode was produced and edited by Carl Sayat. For more updates, subscribe to Squad Leader on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And share this podcast with a friend.
1: This podcast was brought to you by Smart. With Smart Prepaid, you can live what you love.
2: And powered by Puma Podcast. Kung bitin pa kayo, We think you'd love our podcast about pop culture. That's Philippine Nerds. You can find it on your favorite podcast app.